we are continuing uh, the, the series that we've been doing at the waterfront that we've been calling Face to Face, where we're seeing these ordinary people that have encounters with Jesus throughout uh, his life and ministry recorded in the biographies written by his earliest followers that, that tell about his life. And, and part of our hope is as we see these face-to-face encounters Jesus has with people, that it would show us a clear picture of who this Jesus is that we follow today. That there's so many pictures and ideas of who Jesus is, but we want to understand Jesus, the man who walked in the flesh, the man who died on the cross for our sins, the man who rose from the grave, to be shaped by who he has revealed himself to be, who he's remembered to be by his early followers as they wrote down these accounts. And and my hope is that we might encounter Jesus in the process of this. As we see these encounters with Jesus, we might encounter him as well. Now, we're going to be looking at a passage today that I went back and forth as to whether I wanted to preach on this one. Early maybe early June, end of May, early June, I kind of mapped out these are the passages I wanted to address when we're at the waterfront as we're kind of working through this. And this passage, when it came like Monday morning and starting to read it and work through it for today's sermon, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do this one. And so Tuesday, I'm like, no, I'm going to do a different one. And then Wednesday came and I'm like, no, I need to do it. I need to do the hard one. And so we're doing the hard one today. This is the story where Jesus encounters a woman in the town of of Tyre, which is a non-Jewish town kind of northwest of Galilee where he grew up. And this is recorded both in Matthew chapter 15 and in Mark chapter 7. And so what that tells us is is this is a well-known story. Like this this is one that Jesus is early followers and and the biographers of his life. They wanted the story to come across. So let's read it together. Matthew chapter 15 is where we're going to be looking. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman, some translations say a Gentile woman. Mark's translation says a Syrophoenician woman, kind of pinpointing exactly where she was from from that vicinity, came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, he said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. See why I didn't want to do this one? This is, this is a weird passage because... Jesus's interaction with this woman of like ignoring her and then the whole like dogs at the children's table kind of comment like this doesn't seem okay like like it almost gives vibes of like is Jesus being like racist here like I know it was like a different time and place but 
is is Jesus that far like left field that this is this is how he talks to people? Why does he hesitate in helping her? Why is it only after her persistence and her like coming back with like a quick remark that he's like, okay, this is what we're looking at with this passage. Now, we've all probably seen moments on social media where something that someone says, like a five-minute clip of an hour-long conversation gets posted online and they get like canceled online for it, right? Because they said something, it's taken a little bit out of context, and that small clip is posted online, and all of a sudden, that's the thing that they're known for, right? Regardless of anything else that they said around it. I think that's a helpful way for us to think about what's going on here with Jesus. We need to understand the, the context of what he's teaching, the context of what he, the world he's living in, and who he understands himself to be, and others understand him, him to be as the Messiah. So, we're going to look at this together and answer these questions. We need to remember that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. Jesus was a Jewish man in the first century. And his arrival fulfilled all kinds of expectations and hopes of what the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah, would be. See, sometimes our approach to Christianity as like non-Jewish Westerners is to approach Jesus kind of as like he's just whoever he was to me and how I interpret him. But we need to understand like he was Jewish. He came in this particular time and place and fulfilled these kind of expectations. And so for us to have like a, a, a Western, like white Jesus, isn't the picture of who Jesus actually was. We need to understand him as the Jewish Messiah. And the Jewish Messiah meant a whole lot of things at that time. First of all, the fact that he's Jewish and that he goes and speaks with a non-Jewish woman, a Gentile, or a Canaanite, as it says in this passage. The Canaanites were like the, the ancient foes of the Israelites. They're the ones, if you remember from our study through Judges, that the Israelites drove from the land as they came in to the land of Canaan. They were the Canaanites that were pushed out. They, they fought battles with these people and they were seen as the unclean the enemies the ones that must be driven out from the land this in itself is is a stark encounter that jesus comes and is face to face with a canaanite woman the fact that jesus even goes to tyre that he goes to this gentile non-jewish city should stand out to us as this man who has claimed to be the Jewish Messiah. But the Jewish Messiah was the one who was expected to come and redeem the Jewish people. That he was supposed to be the fulfillment of all their hopes of, of God interacting in the world. See, to understand the Jewish Messiah, we need to understand who the Jewish people were. And, and the expectations of, of how they saw themselves in the world and, and God's purpose for the, the, the Jewish people or the Israelites. See, 
generations and generations earlier, the Israelites traced their ancestry back to a man named Abraham. And God, out of all the people on earth, chose this man Abraham and his descendants to be kind of the the seedbed of his renewing work of all of his creation. Like, we don't need convincing to know, like, the world's messed up, but God's heart is to redeem and renew the world. And centuries and thousands of years ago, God chose to begin his renewing work in creation through this man, Abraham, and his descendants. And so God shows up to Abraham, this random guy, and this is what he says to him back early in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 12, it says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. What God is saying to Abraham here is you and your descendants after you, the great nation I'm going to turn you into, are meant to be a blessing to all the other nations in the world. That was supposed to be like ground zero of God interacting with with, uh, humanity in order to spread his blessing to the nations and all of creation. The Israelites, the Jews, they were meant to be God's blessing to the nations. And because of that, God called them to be a very distinct, unique people. You may remember the story of, you know, Moses leading them out of Egypt, right? And the parting of the the Red Sea and they go and they wander in the desert and they spend time at this mountain. And, And Moses comes down from the mountain with these laws that God had given them of this is how I want you to be a distinct people in order that you might be a light and a blessing to the nations around you. I don't want you to to eat the same way that other people do. I I want you to dress differently than the people around you. I don't want you to engage in certain kinds of immorality in the ways that the people around you do. And even they, God told them that I want all of your males to be circumcised as a sign of like you and your descendants are this unique people, different than those around you with the purpose of them ultimately being a blessing to all the nations. That God's renewal was beginning through them and was to spread to all peoples. Here's what we need to remember. Even though we read the Old Testament of the Bible and it's so concentrated on the Jewish people, and even in Jesus' time, his time is primarily spent with the Jewish people, God's, God's renewing work in his creation has always meant to be for all of creation, for all peoples. Not just the Jewish people, not just the descendants of Abraham, but for all peoples on earth, different ethnic backgrounds and and different cultures of where they come from and what they look like and how they talk. They didn't have to be the Jews in order to receive the blessing of God that he intended to bring. God's renewal is meant to be for all people. But that makes this moment seem strange to us. That Jesus' reaction to this woman makes her seem like it, it highlights the fact that, oh, you're not Jewish. Like I was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. The, the dog sitting at the, the feet of the children's table kind of imagery. 
We need to remember where Jesus is teaching, what's going on around him, and the culture that he's in. He came as the Jewish Messiah, and he was renewing Israel. And he, Jesus, was the fulfillment of what God intended Israel to be. Jesus, as the Jewish Messiah, comes and he picks up in the ways that Israel failed. He is the one, he is the true seed of Abraham, as as Hebrews points out, that, that is the blessing to all nations. But his time on earth predominantly was spent among Jewish people, reminding them and renewing uh, the, the sense of what God is doing and what God had called them to be as his people before empowering them by his spirit and sending them out as a people to make disciples of all nations. It's important for us also to realize what Jesus is teaching around this moment. This five-minute internet clip that seems cancelable, what else is there in his teaching? Well, both in Matthew's account that we're reading here and Mark's account of this story, right beforehand, Jesus is in an argument with the Pharisees, the really uppity religious people, about what it means to be clean or unclean. What it means to be those who aren't defiled by the outside world. What it means to be those who are seen as as clean and pure by God and those who aren't. See, the laws that God gave Israel was meant to to keep them distinct from the people around them in order that they might be a light and a blessing to the nations. But that got turned and twisted over the centuries into you can see our faithfulness to God by how well we uphold these things. And we're going to keep the outside out so we can keep the inside pure. We're going to make sure we wash our hands a certain way so that we're not defiled. We're going to make sure that we, we wear the certain clothing that we do so that we don't bring on the sinfulness of the world around us. We're going to make sure that we eat the way that we do because everything outside of that is defiling to us. And I don't know about you, but maybe if you spent a lot of time in church, you've, you've gotten the message of like, we need to stay totally separate from the world because everything out there is going to defile you and make you dirty and unclean. And as long as we stay in our nice holy huddle, we're going to be fine. But Jesus, he pushes back on that. And in his teaching, right before our passage, in both Matthew and Mark, he says, listen, it's not the outside stuff that is going to defile you and make you dirty. What defiles you is the sin that exists within you getting played out. I think that's a mirror on all of us. Like it's not the stuff out there that's primarily going to defile us. We know the sinfulness of our hearts. You know the, the temptations and the struggles and, and the, the selfishness that we all have. It's when that gets played out that we're defiled. Therefore, it's not just like the Jewish people who are maintaining these boundaries of circumcision and kosher diet and and maintaining the Sabbath and all these things that are keeping sinfulness at bay. No, it's all people who are going to have to deal with the reality that sin is at work in our lives. And regardless of whether you're Jewish or Greek or barbarian or Scythian or all the kind of peoples that Jesus and his disciples interacted with, we're all dealing with the reality of sin at work in our lives. 
It's not so much we need to make sure we keep sin away and protect ourselves. There's sin already in here that needs to be dealt with. What's beautiful about this moment that Jesus has coming to the city of Tyre is when his disciples, a few chapters earlier, went out preaching to all the Jewish towns in Galilee and telling them the kingdom of God is at hand and and turn from your sin and the Messiah is here and they were healing the sick and casting out demons and, and all of these things. People were really excited about the show, but not so much about the message. People got really excited of like, look at the people that they healed. Or look at the the people that were possessed with demons and those demons got cast out. Look at the blessings that these people were bringing as the messengers of Jesus, but weren't interested in the message. And what happened as Jesus' disciples came back to him, Jesus pronounces these, these woes, these judgments on these Jewish towns. Like, you guys were waiting for the Messiah. You're waiting for this kingdom and it's here now and you've rejected it. And he says, better are the towns of Tyre and Sidon, the the unclean Gentile towns near you. You think you're, you're the pure people of God, but you've rejected the Messiah. They'll be better off than you because they will receive uh, the Messiah and respond in faith in a way that the Jews did not. And so a few chapters later, we see Jesus and his disciples going to the region of Tyre and Sidon and interacting with this Jewish, this non-Jewish woman who displays more faith than people in those towns, who was persistent to the point of pushy with Jesus. This woman who, who seemed to know the character of God enough to say, listen, even if I'm an outsider, won't, won't I even get the scraps from the table? Like, isn't there something for me? I know you're the one that I should be going to. We see the faith of an outsider surpassing the faith of the quote-unquote insiders. That should stand out to us and remind us that those who respond in faith to the Messiah are the children. That it's not about this woman who, who is a dog But by faith, dogs become children. That she has a seat at the table. And what Jesus is displaying here is is the beginning of what becomes a pattern throughout the, the time of his disciples in the book of Acts and in the letters afterwards that we read through the New Testament and it is carried on throughout history is that those who respond in faith to the Messiah are counted as part of the family regardless of their background regardless of whether they're Jew or Gentile, regardless of whether they were quote-unquote clean or unclean in the eyes of the Jewish law. What's amazing as well, right after this story, in both Matthew and Mark, Jesus goes and has this interaction with this woman And then goes and walks in the the countryside next to the the sea that was there. And there's these crowds of of Gentiles. And he has compassion on them. And he heals them and casts out demons. And in, in Matthew's account, it says at the very end, and they came to worship and glorify the God of Israel. 
that here we see the beginning of the good news being not just for the Jews, but for all people. This is scandalous at the time for the Jews. Like, the Messiah was meant to bring the kingdom of Israel for God's people in the way that they understood it. It was easier to draw thick boundaries of who's in and who's out, but the Messiah seems to be blurring these lines, and those lines get completely demolished in the time after Jesus' resurrection when he sends his disciples out. There's this moment in Acts chapter 10, which sometimes if, if you're familiar with like the book of Acts in the New Testament, sometimes we're, we get really excited about Pentecost, right? And, and the tongues of fire and, and the speaking different languages. And, and we, we get really excited about Paul and his missionary journeys. But I think Acts chapter 10 might be one of the most significant moments in the history of God's intervention in creation. Because it's in this moment, Peter, one of Jesus' closest disciples, he's, he's staying at, at a friend's house. And he goes up on the roof and he has this vision. This vision of a sheet being descended down from heaven and all these unclean, unkosher animals in this sheet. And God says to him in this vision, Peter, go kill and eat. Essentially, eat these unkosher, unclean animals that the law told you and for generations your people that you shouldn't eat. And three times this vision happened. And, and Peter says, God, I've never eaten anything that is unclean. And God says to him, don't call unclean what I have made clean. And at that moment, there's a knock on the door where a Gentile man who has been drawn by the Spirit to worship God, he, he feels this prompting of, I need to hear this news of, of Jesus from Peter. And so he sends a, a, a group of people to go and to collect Peter from this house and bring him back to be able to preach to his household. And in this moment, God gives him this vision that those that were once seen as unclean are no longer unclean. And that God is doing something among the outsiders and bringing them in to make them his people. He goes and preaches to Cornelius and his household and they respond in faith. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. Miraculous stuff happens. And this begins a huge fight in the early church. Leave it to church folk, right? Because they begin fighting about, okay, these non-Jewish people, they respond in faith to the Jewish Messiah. What do we do with them? Do they have to get circumcised and wear the right clothes and eat kosher and follow the laws? Do they have to become Jewish in order to experience the blessing of the Jewish Messiah? And the church is battling this out. Like, as I've been reading the New Testament lately, I, I, I forget how often they're arguing about this. And it's a helpful lens to realize, like, things weren't all peachy in the early church. Like, sometimes we idealize them and say, if we were only just like the early church, like, they had their stuff. They were working through this issue. And, like, we've got all our stuff that we're battling through. But this, this was a huge thing for them. Of do you have to become Jewish in order to receive the blessing of the Jewish Messiah? And as a community, they discerned by the Spirit to say, no, the Messiah 
the seed of Abraham is a blessing to all nations. That it is by faith, by the grace of God, that you are saved. That you are brought in to the family. No longer is faithfulness to God determined by your circumcision status or wearing the right clothes or eating kosher or fitting in and looking Jewish enough. It's, are you faithful to the Messiah? This is most of Paul's writing is working through this issue of helping Jews who have grown up thinking you have to comply with these laws in order to be faithful to God, in order to show that you're part of the covenant. His writings are showing, no, it is by faith that we enter in to the family, that we're brought in, that we're adopted in. You don't have to look Jewish in order to receive the blessing of the Jewish Messiah. Here's the problem. We have a version of this that exists throughout every generation of the church. Like, we didn't resolve this issue in a way of like, now we're all good. Like, there are examples of this throughout church history up until today. Like, the whole news, right, of, of the Pope coming to Canada and, and the, the apology over the residential school thing. This is like forcibly and violently, violently, you have to look and act and be like us in order to experience the blessing of the Jewish Messiah. And doing it in a way that strips culture and language and identity from people. This is like a, a prime example of the opposite of what Paul is talking about. That you don't have to look like us to, to follow the, the same Laws and customs, you don't have to talk like us in order to experience the blessing of the Messiah. It is for anyone who responds in faith to him that you're welcome to be part of the family. This is why, this is why I appreciate the diversity of what the church is. Like, we can't all be Anglicans. Like, I, I deeply appreciate the Anglican tradition and the liturgy, like, maybe not every Sunday, but, like, I find it very interesting and, and intricate and, and deep historical roots. But listen, if every church was an Anglican church, then all of a sudden the, the diversity of humanity that God created is meant to conform to a particular English style of worship that was created in the 1500s. Like, we don't have to be like what Henry VIII wants us to be in order to be followers of the Messiah. We could say our own version of that with Baptists. Listen, every tradition has their way of doing that. It is faith in the Messiah that brings us in to be part of the family. More recent examples of this, okay? And we pick on our neighbors south of the border a lot. But this, this is played out in Canada too. Of If you are going to be a faithful evangelical Christian, then you have to be like us in our political ideologies and, and vote for the right people. You have to be a member of the Republican Party, right? Be like us in order to fit in and to be uh, acceptable. We have our own versions of that here. Of voting for the right people or knowing the right people or dressing like a 
middle class business casual Christian with pleated khakis. Uh, if you're wearing pleated khakis, please don't. <laughs> we need to approach this issue with a level of humility to say, listen, we're the Gentiles that got brought in. We were the outsiders. We were the dogs that became children. And so any effort that we have of saying, you need to, to fit and look and talk and be like us in order to receive the blessing of the Messiah, man, we need to be awfully careful of that because we're the ones who've been brought in. We so flip it and the, the Jewishness of Jesus seems foreign to us because we're so used to, to our Western portrayals of Jesus. Forgetting that we as, as Westerners, as English speakers, we are the ones who were brought in from outsiders to be welcomed in. Let me, let me read to you. This is from Ephesians. I don't have this up on the screen. But Paul said, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship in Israel and uh, foreigners to the covenants and the promise and without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We were the outsiders and we've been brought in. Just as the role of Israel was to be a blessing and a light to the nations, Jesus in some of his final words in the gospel sends out his followers to be a blessing and a light to the nations where he says, go and make disciples of all nations of all peoples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Listen to this distinction. We're called to make disciples, not Westerners, not conservatives, not liberals. We're not meant to make those who align their values with Canadian society. We are called to make disciples. Here's what that means for us. Listen, we're longing to be disciples too. And so we're not saying come and look like us and talk like us and dress like us. We're saying come and let's follow Jesus together. Let's be those who are looking at the same goal and walk in that direction. Come on in as we follow that journey. To be disciples who are patterned after Jesus. So, for those of us here today, and we've been, you know, brought up in the church, and we have our really nice cookie-cutter set of preferences of what church is meant to be, and the people that are meant to be part of church, my prayer is that we would, we would be stretched a little bit by the power of the Spirit as we hear this story of Jesus. And, and for those of us here who we feel far off, we feel like outsiders, we feel maybe like we've been labeled as the dogs by the insiders, my prayer is that you would be reminded that we have a, a Savior who welcomes you in. Who says, come to me and I will, I will welcome you in. In the way that, that Jesus heals this woman's daughter, 
who responds in deep faith despite her status at the time as an outsider and makes her part of the family. You are welcome to the table as a child to receive firsthand the blessing of God's Messiah who died on the cross for your sin, who rose from the grave, who is seated on the throne of heaven in glory and is one day going to restore all things and make them new. That blessing is for you. Would you pray with me? Jesus, you are our Lord. You are Lord of all creation, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And we, we praise you for that. God, I thank you that you push us out of our comfort zone and you're a God who, who expounds the, the boundaries wide to welcome in the outsider. And God, would we respond with faith and faithfulness? Would we see you and say, yes, I will follow this Jewish Messiah who brings blessing to the nations. Jesus, thank you that the blood you shed on the cross was not just for a particular ethnicity, but is for all people, including us here today. Thank you that your resurrection means new life for all peoples of all times who respond to you by faith. May that be our posture to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.